You're listening to the RUV English podcast. Well, welcome to, I think, what is fair to say, a special show from Roove English on the eve of Eurovision week, the two semi-finals, and we are certain, of course, that Delia is going to proceed without difficulty through her semi-finals straight into the final and straight to the top of the leaderboard uh, a week on Saturday when the Eurovision Song Contest takes place. But a special episode today as we go right back to 1986 and the first entry, I think, of Iceland in the Eurovision Song Contest. It's a Friday, so we do that in the company of Lydia Asanathopoulou, who joins me once again from Siglifurther, our music journalist who's been guiding us through the history of various Icelandic musical genres. And today, Lydia, inevitably, delightfully, it's the turn of Eurovision and Iceland at Eurovision. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So nice to be with you again. Indeed, we've got the power uh, to go through this episode. Uh, I am quite and, and right to the and right to the top of the uh, leaderboard, as I say. I'm certain it's yep. going to happen yep. this year. But let's go back to 1986. We're going to go right through from that first entry, and we're going to play, I think, maybe five or six of these. But you have really put the work in here because I don't imagine that you instinctively or just intuitively have knowledge of all of these entries. You've researched them all. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have. In the name of, of correct music journalism, I have put yes. in the work. And I will admit, um, so the Eurovision has been going as many years as I've been alive. So 37 yeah. years since 1986. I will admit, I was never really much of a Eurovision fan. Uh, I had a very sort of superficial interest in it, mainly because the type of music that is featured uh, is a genre in itself at this point, Eurovision, the Eurovision sound. It is slightly mm. different to uh, sort of mainstream pop, of course, borrowing many elements from it. Um, but I did have a lot of fun researching this show and going through every entry uh, from Iceland, which I admit I haven't done for any other country, not even my own country, Greece, <laughs> <laughs> who did, of course, win in 2005 Yes, uh, with uh, Paparizu. Um, Which Iceland has never done, and we think this will be the year. The UK, my other country, has won on a few occasions. And with the exception of Sam Ryder last year coming second, has done very, 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 very badly over recent years. So it'll be interesting to see how the UK does. But let's yeah. jump right in with Iceland's first entry. Iceland's entry in 1986. Uh, Gleðabankin, Icy. Yes, indeed. I think it was a very good name for a first song, uh, Icy, uh, the, for the first band's name, apologies, Icy. And uh, what I appreciated about this song is it starts with a sort of bombastic uh, uh, semi-orchestral piece, which very much reminded me of the Weather Sisters, Raining Men, uh, which had come out a few years before that. Weather Girls, I, loved, I think, uh, point of order, I think it was, wasn't it? Weather, uh, Girl. Weather Girls, sorry, oh, you're girls, absolutely yes. right typo there of mine. I've played that record far too often in the radio, in my, in my music radio days to have not known that. That's my excuse yes. anyway. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it, it starts with a sort of bum bum and you think, oh, yes. this is going to be good. And uh, excellent costumes on all three uh, performers there. I love the fantastic long redhead mullet. I love the glitter, the sort of penguin suits. Uh, it's very eye-catching. And what a mullet that is on one of these performers uh, in, in <laughs> yes. the band Icy. Uh, to 1987, uh, Hatla Margaret and Haidt Ochjot. Yeah, which translates to slowly and quietly. And I think the, the name kind of says it all on that entry. It was rather slow and rather quiet. Um, so uh, it didn't score very, very high up. Um, the next year we've got uh, Beethoven, Beethoven, spelled like Beethoven, but with an E-A, so Beethoven. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the pun, isn't it? Pun. Beethoven <laughs> yeah. is what they're trying. We should say, by the way, Icy um, came 16th, Atla Margaret came 16th, as okay. did this entry from Beethoven. Yes, yes, from 1988 with their song Socrates. Uh, kind of got a culture club vibe there. It's a bit mid-tempo. Um, Hearing back to some of the other tracks from that era, most of the music at that time could be 
title perhaps unmemorable or, or sort of rather generic. Um, so then that takes us to 1989 with Daniel August and What No One Sees. And I, I kind of like this one. He hit some really high notes there, uh, mm. which I appreciated. Uh, mellow, but still kind of groovy. And that, of course, is worth underlining. We are talking about the Daniel Aust, who is the lead singer of Goose Goose, one of you know, the very significant musical exports to come from Iceland. And as far as I can tell, also the only Icelandic entry that made it to the finals to get the dreaded Nilpoint. So what what does that say? One of Iceland's biggest music stars representing Euro uh, Iceland in Eurovision in 1989 and, and getting no points. No one saw yeah, that coming, did that, they? Indeed. But I guess he got his revenge later on with Ghostbusters. I think he did. Yes, I think yes, he's probably yes. fine with the choice he made. And, okay, into the... And we're going to play... I mean, you're, you're picking five or six of your favourites here. Mm -hmm. We've not stumbled across one of those favourites yet, then, by the sound. No, not yet. I'll okay. admit, uh, my my first favourite of, of the batch is uh, Paltl Oscar, and I am a huge Paltl Oscar fan, so it some makes way sense off. that he would be. Uh, it's a few years, yeah, it's almost yeah. 10 years down the line, 1997. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after that, in 1990, we've got one more song by Stjörnin, Stars. Um, that's definitely campy, and I think if you look at uh, the Icelandic entries over the years and decades, I feel that campy is a word that summarizes them pretty well. Uh, if you look at countries like uh, France or Italy, you know, they go maybe with traditional ballads, chanson style, or, you know, Italian style singing. Um, but I think campy and, and feel good. Uh, is something that characterizes especially the first 10 years yes. of uh, entries. And it was the highest uh, performer, the best performer for Iceland until that point, came fourth with 124 points, quite an improvement on the year before with Daniel Austin, but nothing. Um, into the 90s then, 1991, Stefan and Avi. Yes, uh, so this here had an amazing, perhaps accidental Joker-looking green and purple suit combo for the outfits, which I thought was quite fabulous. It's sort of a meatloaf, meat sort of 80s arena, pop rock, uh, got some strong strong string section on there, some strong violins, um, and uh, quite a strong entry, I would say. It was definitely ca a catchy song. Yeah, and we've been giving the, uh, the, I should say, the English titles of these songs. It wasn't until 1999 that Iceland's entry was sung in English, I think, maybe a Eurovision nerd, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind me using that phrase, can confirm whether that's because the rules changed or not around that time, I don't know. But all of the entries until 1998 were, or 1999 rather, were sung in Icelandic. Uh, 1992, Heart to Heart, Ne Eva Yao. Yao. I would say a Yao on this one, a yes on this one. <laughs> Um, very uh, powerful uh, vocals on on both uh, the the singers there. Uh, we also I also did a quick tally to see how many solo uh, performers there were and how many sort of group or duets mm. there were. And it seems that uh, solos outnumber groups almost three to one. Uh, but this was one of the groups, Heart to Heart, uh, and it, it, I like that song because it had kind of a '60s girl group sound. The sort okay. of song structure and there was some brass in the back so i thought that was also a pretty strong entry for game came seven not bad 80 points yeah uh, the next the year book. was 1993 a 13th placed entry for inga for inga yeah with uh, then you know the answer uh big ballad energy on that one kind of gives me a whitney houston vibe uh, but sort of also with a abba pop uh, sense sensitivity there um, then we move on to 1994 with uh, Nights by Sigur Thanes, also a powerful uh, female entry, complete with the power suit, the sort of short blonde haircut, chunky gold jewellery. I thought it was a very strong image. M much as you're wearing today, we should say. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know who influenced uh, I, you there. <laughs> I think fans of, you know, Celine Dion or Faith Hill uh, would have appreciated that song. Uh, then we moved to 1995 with Bo Halthorsson and Nuna now. Um, Bo Halthorsson is very popular in Iceland and, you know, he, he does perform a lot of concerts still and uh, his sort of characteristic big glasses and his beard, you know. Um, and uh, this was sort of a classic soft ballad, a bit like Barry Manilow or Eros Ramazzotti, who was quite famous in Europe at that time. Uh, I wouldn't say one of my favourites, but... Um, 
he did prove that he, he, he was very beloved, at least mm. among Icelanders. Uh, and looking the at the, the leader table for the last three entries, it's been a 13th place, a 12th place, a 15th place. Here's another 13th place for Anna Mjörk and Sjubidu. Sjubidu, yeah, which I love how that's written. Uh, it's written in Icelandic, Sjubidu, so S-J-U-B-I-D-U. Yeah, I'm expecting and the V at the end, but it is D-U. Sjubidu, yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, this song um, I really liked because it pays homage to other musicians. It's sort of a crooner-style song, very, very New York-influenced. And it references Louis Armstrong, Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, old Frankie Blue Eyes and New York, New York, Sammy Davis Jr., Nat King Cole, Elvis, Dizzy Gillespie, Billy Holiday. So we could really see there that, that it's an homage, homage to um, the, the styles of music that, uh, that Anna Mjöll likes, but I think these are quite beloved across Iceland. And uh, the lovely lyric where she says, uh, she references these musicians, says, they all loved Shubidoo, people get along equally in Skagastrun and Timbuktu. <laughs> well, it came 13th uh, with 51 points. Now, here is the first of those Icelandic entries into Eurovision that we're going to hear on the show uh, in 1997, which was the last time that the UK won, in fact. Um, Paul Oscar, who you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Patl Oscar, a fantastic musician and representative of Iceland, I believe, across the world. Uh, 1997, it's also the last year where we hear Icelandic. Um, you mentioned earlier about if a nerd had looked up, uh, mm. you know, English versus Icelandic. I am that nerd. I did look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for 12 years, we have Icelandic and then followed by 13 years of English. Mm. Uh, and Pautl Oskar is the last one in 1997 uh, for the first batch uh, with his song Min Hinsti Dance, My Last Dance. And uh, it's a song essentially about loving yourself and having no regrets. And his lyrics reference that he's traveled around the world and had crystals, champagne, pearls and porcelain, uh, but being surrounded by fake acquaintances, but I still have nothing to regret. Get me a bubble bath and drink away my sorrows. I do my last dance. That's how my life uh, shines. And I thought, I think that's pretty, pretty fabulous. Okay. Uh, his makeup is excellent. Uh, and uh, the other thing is that at that time, so just a few years earlier, 1994, uh, Madonna's Human Nature video clip uh, had released. Mm. And it's the famous video clip where it's a white background and all black vinyl. And I think he challenges this quite a lot in his uh, outfit uh, where they're wearing black vinyl costumes, it's rather sort of um, BDSM looking. And I think because Paul Tolosko, I think really is an innovator and his music is, if you listen yes. to tracks from, from the early 90s, they could have been released yesterday. Uh, he, you know, he is an innovator. And I think it's no um, coincidence that a few years later, that Finnish goth band called Him was literally soaring across Europe. And I think Paul Kloskar probably, you know, yeah. he helped make that and, happen with his black eyeliner and his... Yeah, and also not the last time that we would see a BDSM kind of feel um, as Iceland enter the Eurovision Song Contest. We'll get to that down the line, but here is Paul Kloskar. Yeah, here it comes. 
Hautlosker and the last, for a while, Icelandic entry in terms of language for the Eurovision Song Contest from 1997. Despite the love you showered on it there, Lydia, it came 20th with just 18 points. So your, uh, your view wasn't necessarily shared yeah. by the juries and, and those yeah. responsible. Now, 1998 has an asterisk, no entry at all in 1998 but then we come roaring back a year later in 1999 mm -hmm. with a very close run thing selma all out of luck came second yeah. in the contest yeah so like you mentioned 1998 uh, iceland does not compete from what i see it was prevented from competing due to finishing outside qualification places in the preceding year so in 97 so uh, i'm not sure uh, why pautoloska wasn't so high up on the list uh, but then, yes, Selma comes back in 99 with a bit of a comeback. And uh, I think it was very um, fitting of the time. Uh, it's 1999, the millennium is about to change. Uh, in pop music, we see uh, that uh, girl groups and boy groups are very popular. Mm. And this song very much reminded me of the sort of pop groups like Steps or S Club 7. And uh, the music, the positive lyrics, the aesthetics of the costumes, the pastel colours, it, it encompasses all the cliches and standards of that specific style that was booming at the end of the 90s. Um, even the buns in her hair, the chunky heels, everything, everything is spot on uh, 1999. It has a sort of Gina G EDM beat or like Aqua or mm. Saturday Night. Uh, so it's a total throwback. And as you said, it landed in second place into the new millennium with a 12th placed entry for Aust and Telma. Tell me was the entry. Indeed, uh, Einar August and Telma. Uh, we go back to Guitar Basics, a sort of a classic rock and roll song structure meets the theme song Friends. That's kind of what came to my mind. So there's some indie pop electric guitars in there for good measure. Um, and costumes a bit similar to the previous year. So very much new millennium uh, look. And another last place entry in 2001 for Too Tricky and Angel and the fact that this ended up at the bottom of the pile with just three points um, probably means that 2002 is going to be another year when, I, when Iceland doesn't make it to the contest. But much to say about this, uh, this three-pointer from Too Tricky? Um, it is a rather mellow entry, to you know, to admit. It, it's not exactly boy band pop. The vocals are a bit solely, um, but overall it didn't impress me too much. And there is a na-na-na-na-na section in the song, so I think that might say everything. And like you said, uh, it, it prevented Iceland in 2002 from uh, competing. Yeah, but a good comeback in 2003 with a song that we're going to hear. Indeed, yeah. 2003, Open Your Heart by Birgitta Hoekdal. And um, so this came out in 2003, a few years ago in 1998. Uh, Aerosmith had their hit song, Don't Want to Miss a Thing, from the movie Armageddon. And uh, I feel this song channels that a little bit. There's strong violins on there. She has a really strong performance, lots of energy, uh, sort of going back to indie rock, uh, grand, grand guitar swipes and swelling, swelling violins. Um, even slightly chugging riffs on the second verse, which I think was maybe trying to catch fans of the pop-punk trend happening in the 90s. Uh, a very strong entry overall, I would say. Every time you close your eyes I can see the light that you're hiding Like a shadow in the sky Up Little darkness into light 
Bergita, open your heart. Now, the next song from 2004 from Yonzi. A friend of mine who is Icelandic, who lived in Edinburgh at the same time as we did, did Yonzi's hair for the Eurovision Song Contest this year. We were at a Eurovision party in Edinburgh, and my friend was also there as one of the guests, and she really was the guest of honour. <laughs> she had she had done the hair of one of the entrants. Um, Yonzi had been around for a bit, of course, prior to this, hadn't he, in Iceland? He had a bit of a profile. Decent enough song, came 19th, though. Uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, a ballad, I think a ballad is always a bit of a risk uh, at the Eurovision. Um, unless it makes you cry, you know, it can get lost perhaps among the other entries. And hearing back uh, sort of what it sounded like, I would say it's kind of for fans of like maybe Michael Bolton, Bon Jovi, mm. uh, arena performers. Um, he so had better not... hair than Michael Bolton. Oh, indeed, much better hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was Yonzi. And then we, we enter a pretty dismal run, don't we? 2005, 2006, 2007, three years during which Iceland failed to qualify semi-finals have been introduced by this stage and that wasn't the friend of iceland was it that system for these three years no it doesn't seem that way and uh well if you think that in 2005 greece won uh, and that was a very strong entry you know who could stand up to elena paparizu <laughs> so <laughs> even though uh selma's song uh, if i had your love uh it, it had a strong pop feeling um Britney Spears' Toxic came out a few years before that and it had that famous violin entry. And I feel that kind of maybe inspired the violin. So it was still current of the time, uh, but there's a dance beat then that could have been from 1992. Uh, the, the basic vocal tempo is slower than the rest of the song. So uh, it obviously didn't stand up to uh, people's standards. All right, 2006 is a really interesting entry now this is not an entry that made it to the final it was knocked out in the semi-finals as we say but a fictional satirical character by the name of sylvia knight or sylvia not in icelandic and she performed in character didn't she but not just during the contest in the run-up to the contest in the interviews that she gave the press conferences that were held and I think it's fair to say that no one really got the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think I would agree there because I thought what she did was pretty brilliant. She's actually, her song is in my top six for this show. Um, she really is a character. And like you said, she stayed in character before, during and after. You know, that's method acting at its best, really. Mm. Um, and her costume was wild. Uh, sort of Lady Marmalade inspired. Uh, the song has, you know, strong elements of popular acts from the Backstreet Boys to Britney Spears to Eminem. She's obviously a very strong performer. Uh, her lyrics, you know, she, she totally owns the whole thing. The song is called Congratulations. And the song basically says, congratulations, now you know me, your life is yes. better. And uh, at the end, uh, you know, she, she's sort of blending some Betty Boop with her sort of uh, high-pitched vocals, some Japanese kawaii, cute aesthetic, uh, overall overconfidence but she totally owns it and she closes with the line i love you my european children thank you for loving me <laughs> and we really do <laughs> okay okay
Sylvia, not or should we say Augusta Eva Erlensdottir, who is the actress who created Sylvia Not, and a joke that just didn't really land if we take as the metric of success, you know, its performance in the Eurovision Song Contest. But she was, and I didn't realize this until some moments ago, uh, she was voted as Iceland's sexiest woman by listeners to Raustvur in 2006. Okay. Uh, the actress who plays her was voted the fourth sexiest woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to have two two entries on the same list, <laughs> isn't it? Just all right. Well, it didn't it didn't land at Eurovision. Uh, it didn't make it to the final. Neither did 2007's entry. I'm afraid not. No, we've got uh, Edgar Hoekson uh, with Valentine Lost. Uh, another another trip back in time, given that it was 2007. We move back to arena rock uh, territory. One might even say dad rock at this point, uh, sort of Aerosmith meets Bon Jovi meets Guns N' Roses. Uh, the lyrics say rock and roll can heal your soul, though I would agree with that. Uh, but it's complete with the long hair, the sort of leather, mm. Celtic imagery in the background. So um, it was a strong look, but it probably wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a 2007 look. 2008, though, Iceland back in the contest with Euroband. That uh, makes its intentions clear, doesn't it? It does. Euroband, exactly. Uh, and This Is My Life, uh, an EDM track, uh, definitely electronic dance music uh, meets pop, sort of ace of bass, uh, has a sort of Darude beat in the back and there's some effects, uh, some, sort of a, uh, a classic uh, track to get, get you hyped. Um, and uh, it was sort of a black outfit with touches of pink Barbie uh, on the sleeves and the shoes, and um, it was a strong entry overall, I would say. All right, to 2009, which is the year that Iceland again came tantalisingly close to winning a second-place entry for Johanna. Yes, indeed, like you said, second time, uh, the, the country's best results for the second time. Um, I think... This track, I think, in, probably inspired the movie, uh, the Eurovision movie, quite a lot. Uh, it's, okay. it's a powerful vocal track, um, and it kind of reminds me of Natalie Imbruglia, who was kind of pop at that time, and she's wearing a blue princess dress, there's an acoustic guitar and a cello, and it's quite melancholic, there's dolphins dancing in the background. I mean, it could be a Disney song, really. Yeah. So, um, but it, what really... you don't mean is it, it didn't influence or inspire the Yaya Ding Dong elements of, of that film. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the Ya Ya Ding Dong, but the song yeah. that, uh, that the, the main uh, yes. um, character writes on her own, uh, yes, yes. My Hometown, uh, I, I think might have been inspired by this. They both have a, a strong, I want to say Disney feeling, uh, and not in a derogatory way, but it's uh, very powerful and moving mm -hmm. and pulls at your heartstrings. And, you know, it did end up coming in second place. 2010, a 19th place entry. We're sort of back into the middle of the, you know, middle lower end of the table for the next few, unfortunately. Hera Björk, Je ne sais quoi, a song in English quoi. and in French, but not in Icelandic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not in Icelandic, indeed. Uh, we have a couple more years till we go back to uh, Icelandic language uh, territory. Uh, je ne sais quoi, I feel it did have that je ne sais quoi. Um, and uh, in the beginning, a couple of those notes uh, almost reminded me of Rihanna's uh, We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. And I think 
that was that caught me right off the beginning because I, I don't didn't remember this entry. So when I was going through each of them, yeah. and this came on, I was like, wow, this is this is really catchy. And I have to say, Hera Björk has a stunning voice. She's got such a strong voice. Um, and the funny thing about this sort of thing that reminded me of Rihanna is that Rihanna's song actually came out a year later. Um, so she, whoever was writing that song with her, they were doing definitely something right. Uh, yes. there's well, it was Calvin piano. Harris, wasn't it? Calvin Harris and Rihanna. I wonder if he was listening to Hedda Björk then. Maybe, maybe. And it's funny because Calvin Harris comes up uh, later um, on as well. As, as a, yeah. In my head, I, I've heard things where I was like, oh, this reminds me of Calvin Harris. And he is one of the larger producers. And in this song, we have an escalating piano that mm. uh, reminds me of that famous Delirium song. And the vocals are really strong. And I think objectively, this is a really catchy song and not just Eurovision, but just pop in general. It's really good. All right, 2011 and 2012, a couple of 20th placed entries. Uh, Sione's friends in 2011, Coming Home. Yeah, the friends of, of Shona, uh, Coming Home. It is a sort of campy beachside music. Uh, they, they were all sort of also dressed in uh, matching, ma matching sort of suits. And I think this is more for fans of like um, Jack Johnson or Jason Mraz, who was also quite popular at that time. It's fun. Uh, there's a sort of brass band, uh, even though there's no actual brass instruments on stage, uh, which was something that I did find a little weird. I would have appreciated if those lovely saxophones and trombones and everything, we could actually have seen them on stage. And in 2012, is it the same Yonzi that's back with Greater Salome? It is indeed. And uh, being a numbers nerd, I also looked up um, how many participations, either as a member of a group, a solo artist or a backing vocal, uh, appeared many times, and Yonzi was one of the artists who appeared twice. Uh, Hera Björk, okay. who we mentioned earlier, has appeared four times. Uh, Sigrid Durbeintenstot has appeared five times. And then uh, Stefan Hilmarsson, Erikur Hauksson, Yonzi, Selma Björnstotir, and Greta Salome Stefansdottir all appear at least twice. Yes, and she is back in 2016. We'll get to that in, mm -hmm. uh, in due course. And for the casual Listener, I'm sure no one has confused the two, but this is not the Yonzi who leads Sigur Ross. I know that everyone plays in everyone else's band in Iceland, but just in case you were wondering, we are talking of a different Yonzi. Yes, this is Yonzi with Greta Salome from, uh, from the song Never Forget. I've got a strong Phantom of the Opera feeling here, and I'll admit, I've seen the Phantom of the Opera two or three times. <laughs> uh, you mean six, don't of, you? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, you know, it had a sort of apocalyptica vibe meets Evanescence, uh, even some Vanessa May in there because she does play the, the violin a couple times. Um, it, overall, a, a powerful, powerful ballad, I would say. OK, let's move to our first Icelandic entry for a while in the sense that it's sung in Icelandic. 2013 we're at. Yes, we have Eithor Inki with Jeg uh, Leaf, I Have Life. And indeed, uh, we had 12 years of Icelandic, then 13 years of English. And Eithor Ingi uh, was the first to switch back to uh, native Icelandic with his arena pop style, Jeg Leaf. And then we go back to another five years of English. Yeah, um, so singing in Icelandic or singing in a language other than English was often thought to be less likely to succeed. And maybe that was true in the early days, but there have been plenty of examples. I mean, the Ukraine last year, maybe there were special circumstances, but plenty of examples of huge Eurovision victories in languages other than English. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's less of an issue now, isn't it? I think I think so. Um, I think also perhaps maybe it had to do with that 2013 is a few years after the uh, financial crash in Iceland. Um, and actually, um, I think it was, yeah, uh, the contestant uh, Gudrun uh, from 2009. She actually even had to be enrolled in a special course uh, on the Icelandic economy to prepare for questions from journalists. Then in 2010, we had the eruption of uh, the famous volcano here. So I think in 2013, there might be a sense of wanting to represent the country with their yeah. native language, but also to show off to the rest of Europe, this beautiful language that we have here. Indeed, and you do wonder in that case why the song wasn't called Eifjadljuk, which would have yeah. been <laughs> a, a, a lesson, I suppose, for all of the journalists who spent years trying to learn how to say it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it would have been handy. Back to um, English but... in 2014 for Potlupunk. 
Ia, with uh, No Prejudice, uh, Pötlepunk, a self-proclaimed pop-punk band for children. Uh, I believe some of them are actually preschool teachers and they sing about diversity with their song uh, No Prejudice and their aim is to help eliminate all bullying and prejudice as everyone has the right to live in peace and harmony with the rest of the world. Into 2015 and again another block of failures. Four songs in a row, four years in a row when Iceland failed to qualify for the final. That doesn't stop us, or doesn't hasn't stopped you from selecting one of those as a song that we're going to hear next, <laughs> yeah. um, and we'll, we'll we'll get to that. So, 2015, unbroken in English by Maria Olavs, not in the final. Not in the final, even though I think it was a strong entry. the The sound was very uh, current for for that time. It had a sort of One Republic vibe, or that famous song Counting Stars, or that other hit Wake Me Up When It's All Over. Uh, the drum beat on that uh, is very much of that time. Uh, and it's just, it also has kind of a Miley Cyrus meets Katy Perry big ballad vocal energy. So I thought it was a strong entry. So yeah. um, I mean, with it, that description, you wonder how it could possibly have failed because that's everything that was happening kind of in pop music at the time. I mean, it's, it's exactly. nothing, maybe yeah. it was just a couple of years too late because that was actually more redolent, I guess, of the early teens, 2010, 2011, the style yeah. that you described. Maybe, Second... Maybe. Uh, second appearance, uh, I think, unless we've missed one, for Greta Salome. She was uh, singing with uh, with Yonzi some years ago. In 2016, she's there with Hear Them Calling. Again, mm -hmm. it doesn't qualify. Again, it doesn't qualify, even though this is in my top six. Um, I feel uh, she captures pretty well some things about Icelandic nature and culture in her performance, in her lyrics. Uh, the song is about empowerment and having a sense of belonging. And it mixes both folk pop with indie, with electronic, with symphonic elements. It's it's sort of a mix of big festival EDM sound, like mm. Calvin Harris, who we discussed earlier, uh, with more traditional pop elements. And the, the costume was designed to look like a bird. There were ravens flying across the screen. And I think there was a subtle reference to uh, Icelandic folk um, stories and the the Norse mythology, mm. uh, the lyrics, they might have something of the occult when she mentions that she sees the dancing shadows that come alive and they're calling me and whispering and singing and howling. It was a good mixture of past and present. So I actually really like this song. That's why it's in my top six. <laughs> Here it is. Can you hear them calling? Oh, they're calling out tonight. Now the skies are burning.
Greta Salome and hear them calling to 2017. Oh, and by the way, we should say we are playing the uh, the selections that have been picked out by Lydia, but you can find all of these and see the performances on the page that we've linked to in the article accompanying this show from Roof English. Right, 2017, as we go through the history of Iceland at the Eurovision Song Contest since its first entry in 1986, Svala sings mm -hmm. paper. Yeah, so I uh, like this song as well. That's also been on my top six. It's got a very powerful beginning. It's another power ballad in sort of Rihanna, Miley Cyrus stylings, but it's got some colorings of Robin, uh, sort of more Nordic pop, a uh, bit of Gwen Stefani. It's very stylish. I think her outfit was gorgeous. Uh, sometimes one of the things I noticed going through them all is that sometimes the costumes can be a bit dress uppy a bit uh, a bit carnivaly but uh her outfit was absolutely stunning her performance was great um so yeah i picked this one uh for my top six You're under the water trying to pull me under i reach for you i reach for you you can throw it and Paper, second song in a row that uh, Lydia has chosen. Uh, again, another song that didn't qualify for the Eurovision Song Contest. You, you, you're not with the judges, really, on your choices so far, are you? No, no. But then again, I'm not really a Eurovision uh, connoisseur or expert. Like I said, you know, this isn't really my sound. So maybe the things that I like are maybe off the beaten track. Well, I think it's a very useful service to dig out some of those songs which have maybe been forgotten or didn't get as much attention because they didn't qualify. 2018 was a, a very bad year in terms of results for Iceland because in the semi-final, this was the song that did the most badly, Ari Olofsson and Our Choice. Tempted to make a joke about it not being the choice of the juries and the, <laughs> and the voters, but, I mean, this guy can sing. He's got a cracking voice, and I think it deserved better than, than its fate. I agree. I think his voice is very strong, uh, indeed. And 
uh, you know, one thing I did kind of read about this is that some some people considered it maybe a bit outdated, which I have noticed is a trend for Eurovision. So maybe something is hot in the year 2000, mm. you'll still see it coming up in Eurovision entries in 2003 or four or five, you know, perhaps it's using tried and tested uh, methods of songwriting. Um, but I, I'll, even though he has a very strong voice, you know, this ballad was a bit like out of Live Aid, We Are The World Territory, and it even had a message of unity, which of course is a good thing, you know, too many are dying in vain, together we could ease the pain. In every single language, there's a word for love and for blame. Different voices, cultures and people and places, inside we're all the same. Well, Ari Olofsson, despite the Eurovision failure in that sense, has a very happy and successful career as a singer. Maybe Eurovision just wasn't right for him, but certainly a career in singing happily has proven to be. That said, if you were to say to somebody, what is the opposite of Our Choice by Ari Olofsson? You'd probably come up with Hatrit Munsigra by Hatari, which was the... <laughs> Very true. The following year's entry and it saw Iceland back in the top 10 232 points what do we say about Hattari I, I want to just preface this by saying two things firstly I did request that you pick this as one of the six because I wanted to hear it secondly I think it is a genuinely fantastic piece of music if you strip away all of the everything else around it you're left with a really really well produced interesting piece of music here I think I agree. I agree. It's it's a very strong entry for Eurovision, but even as a song, a standalone song, it's got some great uh, industrial elements, EBM, so electronic body music, different to EDM, electronic dance music. Um, and uh, like you said, they do it really well. If you strip away the image, the perhaps controversy surrounding um, the Palestinian flag and everything, it's still a very strong entry. And indeed, they brought the country back to the final for the first time since 2014 finishing 10th and they uh, also are the first group after Aethor Ingi, so five years after Aethor Ingi, to opt for Icelandic with Hatrith Mun Sigra, Hate Will uh, Prevail, Hate Will Win. And my, my um, favourite thing about this entry, especially given that title, which sounds about as unwelcoming and unlikely to align with the spirit of Eurovision as you could imagine, Hatrith Mun Sigra, Hatred Will Prevail, despite all of that, because it's a Eurovision song, it does the key change a minute before the end. <laughs> I mean, you could almost imagine them if they were a five-piece Irish boy band stepping off the uh, stools at this point, but uh, <laughs> they, they very much aren't. Anyway, uh, 10th place in 2019,
Hattarith Munsigra by Hattari as we canter through Iceland's history in the Eurovision Song Contest since its debut in 1986. We get to another year, which most certainly has at least a couple of asterisks next to it, and that is 2020. And who doesn't feel still incredibly sorry for Davi? whose entry, Think About Things, was a nailed-on favourite to win the Eurovision Song Contest in 2020. And then, remind us, Lydia, what got in the way? I'm afraid a global pandemic called COVID-19 got in the way of Davi and his successes. Um, but I think a few years down the line, he's still very successful in Iceland, but also abroad. And I think one of the reasons people loved it so much is he has such an interesting voice. Mm. His 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 colouring is so interesting. It, it reminds me of a mix between like 70s disco uh, vocals and then like 90s house music, where yeah. there was a presence of a lot of like black uh, singers on you know things like Frankie Knuckles or David Morales. And uh, the music at the same time is very contemporary. It's fun. It's funky. It's got electronic elements. Their costumes were also very uh, engaging uh, on stage, you know, playing the, the, the paper instruments, you know, there's nuance. Uh, and objectively, it's an electro-pop hit. It's lovably dorky. And uh, it's like Hot Chip meets Armand Van Helden, but very, very 2020 or 2023. Yeah. And he's still very popular. And uh, I still am delighted every time he comes on the radio. And we shouldn't forget the Gagnamagnif part of this, Daddy or Gagnamagnif. They were the band. They were the other mm-hmm. five that made the act always to my mind look and sound like the human league in woolen cardigans <laughs> yes that's very true <laughs> so think about things was the or would have been in the absence of the counterfactual we can state this this would have been or that would have been iceland's first winning entry in the eurovision song contest yeah. the way the rules work or were created i guess because the contest had never been cancelled before Davi or Gagamagnith were allowed to return to represent Iceland, but the song had to change. Indeed, in 2021, uh, we see him return with the song Ten Years, which is written about how much he loves his wife, which is adorable. Uh, And with that track, he also manages to land Iceland in uh, the top ten. So Iceland has only done that seven times before. Um, and so he is the last one to help us get into the top 10 because sadly, as of last year, mm. Iceland is the only Nordic country that has yet to win the contest. So and this year might be our year. It might be, and we're going to get to that in just a, a minute. But with 10 years, the curse of COVID struck again, didn't it? Because the uh, the band had to play the rehearsal performance because one of them had to come down with COVID. This was a year after the cancellation of the concert altogether. So. It's um, it, it's such a shame that that, that Daddy's uh, sort of fate at Eurovision is so completely intertwined with that pandemic, and uh, it does rather feel that we were robbed in that sense by that. So that was a fourth placed entry uh, for Daddy in 2021, which takes us up to last year, and a song that was, I think, very pleasant and very enjoyable, but but didn't really stand out, and that's maybe why it got to number. 23, a 23rd place entry, 20 points in total for Sister. Yao Sister, uh, three sisters with beautiful voices. Indeed, the song is a very beautiful song. Yes. Um, and I think it represents uh, this sort of soft sung folk pop that is very popular in Iceland that sort of started with artists like Bon Iver and Sigurós locally. And they, they do it really well. And I remember hearing that song on the radio um, here in Iceland. Not, re- not knowing that it was a Eurovision submission and thinking, wow, this song is so moving. And uh, it's called Meth uh, Haikanthi Sol, so with the rising sun. Uh, and it is a song perfect for the rising or the setting sun. Uh, but perhaps, uh, like I mentioned before, ballads and perhaps non-bombastic mm. uh, extravaganzas don't always win over the whole public. And that takes us to 2023, the year of Dilia and the song power as it is yes. rendered in English. And I mean, there's a hook right away. Eurovision's about hooks as much as anything else. And the hope has to be that this is a hooky enough song to punch through. And I think the omens are pretty good. Hopefully, yes. It seems that the uh, writer and producer, uh, Palmi Ragnar Auskirsson, 
who's also behind Maria Olaf's uh, 2015 uh, entry, Unbroken, which uh, I, I had on my list as powerful mm. entries. So hopefully this year, yes, we, we will manage to, if not perhaps win, but at least be in the top three. That would be that would be a win. That would be well, fantastic. And Delia, of course, is, is the co-writer of this song as well. So she has a writing credit on it. Mm -hmm. As we sit here on, well, coming towards the end of the first week in May, we're on the eve of Eurovision week. The semi-finals take place next week. And we will know before too long, firstly, if Delia has qualified... But, I mean, that's going to happen. That's definitely going to happen. We're going to get a qualification for the Eurovision Song Contest final itself. And then, of course, the final is not very far away. Where do you think... We're going to play Delia, by the way. We'll play out with that. Um, where do you think the Eurovision Song Contest will be held in Iceland upon our inevitable victory? Ooh, where is big enough? Uh, I think Harpa would be the, the perfect place. It's a stunning building. The architecture is gorgeous. Mm. It's on the waterfront. It's not big uh, enough, though. I mean, that's the the, you you know, the Eurovision. There's <laughs> tens of thousands of people usually crammed into these Eurovision venues, and Harpa is all of those things. It's a wonderful venue. I just don't know if it's or would be big enough for everyone to uh, to get in. <laughs> maybe maybe we could set up something at the domestic airport. <laughs> that's a space big enough. Yeah, or, there's or there's an Perlan, idea. I'm not sure what, if Perlan inside has a space big enough or something like this. Mm. Well, it, yeah, and, and I, I think with uh, with with Iceland's weather, um, letting, leaving aside the acoustics, it's not something you could even think about doing outside, really, is it? To be honest, <laughs> no. that would not, not work very well. But um, a question for another day, one that Iceland, I am certain, will have to wrestle with, a very happy problem it will have to wrestle with at some point, and perhaps even this year with Delia and Power. Good luck to her. Auf from Iceland. I'm sure that's a sentiment that you would echo as well. Lydia, thank you very much for your time today. Um, next week, I, I think, next week or possibly the week after, we'll be taking another look at another genre of Icelandic music and the history thereof. And we've, we've barely scratched the surface thus far, haven't we? That's true. We, we've done, I think, five so far, and I've got another five or six uh, in the works, and then I've got another five or six potentially on the way. Um, and like we've said many times before on this show, Iceland uh, does not cease to surprise with its fantastic musical output, including the Eurovision. And I did listen to every entry for this year's Eurovision from all countries. And I definitely think Delia is definitely in, in, the, in the top Fantastic. Well, thank good... you so much for that. We will watch, of, of course, luck. and cover keenly what happens in the UK. The Eurovision Song Contest taking place in the UK because it, for obvious and tragic reasons, at the moment at least, cannot be held in Ukraine, who were the victors last year. Lydia, thanks very much. We'll talk again soon. This is Ruve English. We play out with, let's face it, this year's Eurovision Song Contest winner. It's Delia. I'm ready to let you go I'll hold you back no more And spread your wings and fly away Been carrying you way too long like an obsession I thought you were a living part of me But I got my power in my head You hold no power over me And I take my flowers on like So let the love shine
are listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.